hello. This is Juice B. Toad. This is Dr. Walter Aka. And Dr. Kyle Dumpert. Uh, we have the joy of having somebody here that I honestly, you know, it, it, it was, you know, we were just talking before this was recorded and it didn't even dawn on me that there was a whole population that we as, uh, podcasters, Dr. Dumpert and I had skipped. We had skipped, you know, the geriatric department of uh, dentistry, the part that really actually matters a lot because people don't realize that we learn a lot about aesthetics and we learn a lot about different things just from doing dentures and things like that. And so that population is a population that's really going to need to be taken care of, especially this time with the whole COVID. Uh, Dr. Dumpert, what do you think about all this? Um, I know you're excited because you and I, we just talked about this. Yes, uh, it's, you know, I, I have a, a population that, uh, being in small town is a, a very high population of elderly geriatric patients. They come with their own, uh, challenges, uh, due to their age, their, their diets, their dexterity, and so on. But so, I'm, I'm very excited to talk to Dr. Joy today and, uh, see what recommendations she can give to us and all the listeners. Right. And, you know, I, I, and so, Dr. Joy, you know, I want to bring you in here, but I want to bring you in so that, one, you can introduce yourself and then basically tell us what got you excited about uh, working with the geriatric population. Because like, I think you had mentioned, you know, aesthetics and, and, and cosmetic dentistry is, uh, you know, it's hot, right? That's what everybody wants to do. But we forget the challenges and the skill it takes to take care of our geriatric population. So, Dr. Joy, please just say hello to our you know listeners and then also just give us a little background, a little bio. Sure. Um, hello, everyone. My name is Dr. Joy Postgozem, but everyone calls me Dr. Joy. Um, and I uh, had I went to NYU for dental school. I did a uh, one-year general practice residency, which I absolutely adored, and I really focused mostly on back you know in 1999, 2000. Aesthetic dentistry, like you were just saying, was huge. Uh, and so that's what, you know, myself and my colleagues are really kind of focusing on different materials and, and smile design, so on and so forth. I moved back home to Chicago, uh, bought my own practice. And a couple years in, um, my grandmother needed a new lower partial denture, 5'11", you know, average built, uh, but a horrible sciatica going down her right leg. Just horrible. So she had a Jennifer Convertible Easy Chair. We called it Easy Chair Dentistry. Um, with her heating pad and her public television and she was, she was good to go. Uh, and fortunately, 10 minutes from my practice. So, I mean, loving, you know, loving children, loving grandchildren, eager and willing to help, but she didn't want, she didn't want to move. She was very uncomfortable and she didn't want to be a burden. So I went to her, made her a lower partial denture. I remember inserting it on a Friday and the one thing she would do would be go to church every Sunday. So she went to church on Sunday with my aunt and uncle. The following day, Monday, I'm working and um, I'm, I'm finishing up. It's lunchtime and my dental assistant's like, you know, there's someone on the phone. You, you really should take this call. Turns out it was a fellow parishioner saying, you know, can you do that for my grandmother? She's, you know, she's a stroke victim. She, you know, she's bed bound and her, she's losing weight and her dentures no longer fit here. What, you know, is there anything you can do? And immediately my career trajectory just went, you know, a sharp right angle. It, it never even occurred to me, uh, that this was, uh, dentistry that I could be doing to help serve a population that couldn't come to me. 
It just never had crossed my mind. And it really became kind of a grassroots thing where, you know, one person called another person and another person. And it got to be something where now uh, every Friday, oh, well, pre-COVID, um, every Friday I go into assisted care facilities, nursing homes. I'm the dental director for um, several uh, um, assisted care facilities, like I said, senior communities where I am properly taking care of their teeth. And I also still go into people's homes to provide dental care. So a couple questions about uh, the, the limitations that are jumping into my mind immediately when you're leaving your office and going elsewhere, whether it's somebody's home or a nursing home. What procedures are you able to perform for them? That is a great question. Before I even answer that question, there's got to be so much communication between my office manager and and the person who's involved. Um, either it's the person themselves, if they're cognizant, or it's a caregiver. And I also have to figure out, you know, is this the medical POA? Because sometimes the medical power of attorney is not the necessarily the financial power of attorney. So before I even can walk in the door, I need to make sure that financially and medically I'm prepared. I know what's going on with, with this patient. Um, and then yes, absolutely. The physical constraints are, they're, they are challenging. I'm, you know, Girl Scout, <laughs> you make do with what you got. Um, but I mean, the more communication I have with the, with, um, the, the people involved, um, the better it is for me. So that I know what I'm, what I'm up against. So for example, you know, is the person homebound, but you know, they could, they can move, you know, they can navigate either, you know, because they, they can still walk, walker. Uh, so we can figure out what chair or what room for best lighting would be the most appropriate for, you know, whatever dental procedure that needs to be performed. Um, and then, you know, if not in a wheelchair or if they're bed bound, um, then, you know, I will also, you know, make do, but I'll also make sure that I'm bringing stuff that will help me help them. Um, so I actually sometimes prefer, even if they are in a wheelchair to be in bed, I try to be there either in the morning or at night when they're in bed because they have head support and if they have or head and neck support and if they are in, um, a hospital bed, um, I'm, you know, inside I'm kind of doing the happy dance because then I can adjust that bad <laughs> to where it's, it's still comfortable for the patient, but also incredibly beneficial for me. But I'm looking at the, for the patient first. I want to make sure they have their head, you know, they're, they're not, you know, I don't want them to be uncomfortable. It's, it's hard enough to do dentistry for anybody, let alone for someone who's, you know, confined to their home. And then here I am working in their mouth and I'm a relative stranger. I pretty much have just met them. So, so, so what things are you able to do? Right. Uh, oh, I apologize. Yeah. So I do cleanings. I do, um, exams. Obviously within that exam is oral cancer screening. Um, I do extractions. I do any, that when I granted with extractions, I have to obviously make sure about when Illinois, I have to get physicians clearance, physician clearance, medical clearance if they are on blood thinners. Uh, because that's a conversation that we need to have to make sure if the physician wants to have the person off their blood thinners or not. And that is at the discretion of the medical doctor. I can put my two cents in, but in Illinois, it is up to them. Um, and uh, let's see what else. Cleaning the Oh, dentures. Everything you can possibly think of with dentures. I, I do make new ones, add clasps, teeth, 
relines, uh, either, either side relines or, um, uh, bedside relines or, uh, layout relines, depending on the quality of the denture and how old the denture is. Uh, and I also do some bonding. Um, I personally do not bring a drill. Um, I do not have the, the capacity to be doing any of that kind of dental work. That being said, um, SDF, so, uh, silver diamond fluoride has become an absolute godsend, uh, for those that are, are, are truly homebound and, and require some kind of, um, arrest of, of decay. Okay. Well, I, I got a question. So I'm glad you actually a- answered that one about, uh, the, the drill, right? Because sometimes when mm-hmm. we're doing extractions and this is say the tooth needs to be taken out, drilled out, you know, we are kind of, we have no choice, right? In that situation. Uh, how do you deal with situations like that? Let's just say, you know, you're taking a tooth out and the low root tip is still in there. That's an excellent question. That fortunately that has not happened. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. But I will say, I will tell you this though. Um, I will also triage, right? I'm going to look at a situation and decide whether or not this is something that I should be doing or should I be calling a, an oral surgeon who, um, is either close enough to the, you know, to the, uh, home. Um, that they can then bring them to, um, or is there someone else that I can be calling for a future appointment that they could come in and then take care of the patient? But I, but I have to be honest with you, I'm doing this 10 years. I've never been in a situation for a surgical extraction. Um, a lot of these people are frail. Um, they're that the majority of the, the teeth that are, are coming out, I'm afraid they're either going to aspirate because they're so loose, um, or they are a root tip. Um, but you know, there has been, um, you know, you know, they've all been simple extractions. Right. Um, can I do a follow up question? Sure. Um, when it comes to, um, you know, insurance and payment and stuff like that, um, how do you go about taking care of that? Is it just, you know, um, whatever insurance you have will accept? Do you have limitations on the insurance that you accept? Do you have, how do you deal with payments and stuff like that when it comes to that patient population? Oh. Completely, and it runs the gamut. You know, it really does. If they are in network with a with a dental insurance, then then we'll run it, and we will collect whatever the copay is going to be. And that that's where Diane comes in, my my office manager. She really makes sure that we've got all those eyes dotted and T's crossed to make sure we have all that information prior to going to see the patient. Um, and then for those that don't, I do have an in office uh, plan membership plan. I use Clear. Um, and so for those that want to, you know, do the, and I do a separate, uh, most plans are usually only three policies. Um, I do a, a fourth one for seniors where it's $20 a month. Um, so I try to make that as economical as possible. Um, and then, uh, you know, obviously, um, you know, cash check or charge, you know, we, we do, we do figure out as much as possible in order to make sure that they are feeling very comfortable financially. I also work on a sliding scale if necessary. So I work within their financial means to make sure that they are being properly taken care of. When when you mentioned triaging patients, I, I imagine in my head uh, walking into this clinic with kind of a tackle box of dental <laughs> supplies, uh, a laptop, and I, are you using any kind of portable x-ray unit like a, a nomad so you're Love, able to triage those? Okay. No, no mad, we're close. We're BFS. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah that, <laughs> the, the the whole logistics of, of everything um, 
really has me interested, especially uh, are, are there any rules or laws against treating people outside of a dental clinic or medical clinic, such as you know, taking ex- doing an extraction in somebody's home uh, that might not be the same kind of clean environment that you would have, you know, in a dental clinic or a, a hospital setting? Excellent, excellent question. It, and it is a state by state basis. So in Illinois, I literally can practice on the curb. As long as I'm in, I'm on Illinois land. Okay. Now, some states require that you need to be in some kind of building <laughs> in order to be practicing, de- in order to be practicing dentistry. You need a ceiling and four walls. Um, so we have that, that luxury, if you will, um, so that I can definitely be practicing in someone's home. Uh, that being said, the families that call are, I, I am just overwhelmed by their beautiful attention to their loved one. The rest of the house might be a wreck, but I walk into this person's room and it is immaculate. And I, 10 years, I have never had to call the state or anybody for that matter, because I thought that this person was being neglected or abused. Um, They have created a space for me. They've created a space for their loved one. So that I can, I feel confident that I am properly treating this person in the cleanest environment possible. Um, and, and if that is, you know, in their bed and we have got them completely covered in a, in a gown in a, and, and paper towels everywhere and so that, that we can manage, um, any, you know, spillage, so be it. If it's going to be, I mean, I did an extraction where she's sitting on a sofa. Her head is resting on my belly because I have, I have a little belly. So her head's resting <laughs> on my belly. And because it was tooth numbers 20 and 21 that had to come out. Um, and she's, I literally, you know, from the sitting on the sofa, I was able to take her teeth out. She's completely draped. We've got the, the, the sofa, you know, draped. It, I mean, it was incredibly, um, a simple procedure to do. Fortunately, that being said, I, create the space to have it to make sure that there is proper precautions, universal precautions, right? Universal universal precautions reign true no matter where we we practice. And so I try to create that space for that patient to make sure that um, they're properly protected. Okay. And as another logistical question, are right. you going by yourselves to these places? Do you have an assistant going with you or any additional team members other than maybe you and assistant? What, what does that look like? Excellent question. So when I'm going into the homes, it generally speaking is by myself. Um, like I said, between Diane and myself, we have, I don't know if vetted is the right word to use, but we have, we have done a lot of, um, communication with the family with the powers of attorney to make sure this is a safe space for myself as well. Um, and I can't tell you how many times the caregivers are so incredibly eager and willing to help um, their, you know, their client or their, their loved one. Um, and, 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 you know, and to the point where they're handing me instruments because one was a retired nurse, um, which was incredible. Um, they want to feel useful. Uh, there hasn't been one situation where they're, you know, they couldn't handle it and they're, and they're running out of the room. They, they're complete opposite. They, they can't do enough for me to help me. And to be honest with you, when it is someone who's not as, as cognizant as you or I, um, I'd much rather have someone that the, the patient is receptive to, who recognizes and, um, trusts 
so that they know that if that person's in the room and, you know, that person is helping me out, it is a much better dental appointment. Okay, uh, I got another question too. Um, so with just like with anything, right? I kind of consider this to almost be like a specialty, right? I know it's not recognized by the ADA or anything like that. We're gonna ignore that, but I'm gonna consider it a specialty because you have to have special training in order to do this. And I almost look at it as, you know, whenever you have to treat um special needs. Right. You have to worry about issues with swallowing. You have to worry about mobility. All those other factors come into play. Did you take any CEs or anything like that to kind of help you, you know, be a better specialist in a way? And again, I use that loosely because I don't want anybody coming at me later on. You know, Stop <laughs> unfortunately. It. Stop it. I hear you. <laughs> um, three times. No, it's OK. Um, it's been, uh, who's counting? Um, so, uh, yeah, I. Um, when I realized that this was something that really was becoming a huge part of my, well, it's a third of my practice, um, time-wise. And so I, I, so I, I began to look for, for exactly what you're talking about. You know, what, what kind of CE can I acquire to help me learn more? And, and also that I can be in an environment with like-minded, you know, dentists, right? And so I discovered SEDA, Special Care Dentistry Association. And it's got three consoles, or it's got geriatrics, pediatrics, and special needs. And lo and behold, when I was looking this up, um, uh, the uh, conference that year was three weeks away in Chicago. It was, nice. it was, it was total kismet. I mean, it was meant to be. So five years later, I am now, uh, this year, I have earned my fellowship with SCDA. Congratulations. And through, yeah, through them, um, I have, and I'm part of the geriatric console. I help run this, the social media component of the geriatric console. Um, and it is a phenomenal organization for anybody that is looking to be treating anybody of the special needs population because there really is something for everybody. Um, and I have met the most heartfelt, most loving, most caring, um, human beings. Dentists, dental assistants, dental hygienists that um, are so incredibly uh, dedicated to this type of population. I, I can't say enough about it. Um, that being said, CE, yes, plenty of CE being offered during the conference where I did 18 hours to the University of Pacific. And afterwards, I felt incredibly confident, not just dealing with uh, the patients, but also dealing with, you know, everybody else around it. You know, like I said, I really got to understand the difference between medical and financial POA and what to do in those situations when there's two separate human beings. Um, when I'm going into an assisted care facility, who should I be talking to? Am I talking to the director of nursing? Or if the director of nursing is not available, who, who is the next one down that I need to be talking to? So I learned the hierarchy. And I also learned the differences between a skilled nursing community versus an assisted living community versus a graduated community. Um, memory care facilities. What, what, are, you know, what does that entail? So, uh, yes, I did that four years ago. Um, it was an incredible experience. And then, like I said, I go, well, not this year, but every year I go to the conference and, and gain more knowledge. When it comes to, I'm going to jump back to, this will be my last logistics question, I promise. Uh, <laughs> okay. Being that, my, that I own my own practice, uh, I like to know kind of the business model behind everything. Mm. And when people are coming in your office pre-COVID, you could really 
you know, run through a lot of people. Uh, but when it comes to going to somebody's home, going to a nursing home, obviously you're not able to see the same number of people in a day. So financially, what does that look like? Are you charging on an hourly basis? Are you, uh, are you charging for your transit time? Is there, other than it sounds like being a labor of love for you where you're not potentially as profitable as sitting in your office uh, without that business component or looking at the numbers, you know, we would all give away our, our dental care for free if we could and still make a living at it. But what, what's the, the finances look like uh, in that regard? There, that's a great question. There is a code, I believe it's D9410 that I'll, uh, that you can charge for treating people outside of the dental practice. Okay. And that incorporates hospitals, assisted care facilities, homes. It, it it's all falls under that auspices, all those auspices. On the ADA dental form, which none of us really see anymore because I'm assuming that we all do everything electronically. But on the actual form, there is a box to check. The default is dental office. But there are two other ones. And there's one for hospital and there's one for other. And I am checking that box. Okay. Uh, when I apply for the D9410. Now, that being said, insurance wise, no one pays for it. Right. I charge for, you know, for a certain area of Chicago <laughs> land, I charge a hundred dollars for, uh, for travel time. If it's relatively close to me, if it's, you know, potentially on my way to or from work and depending on financial, you know, uh, limitations, I sometimes will drop that charge. Um, and and so honestly, that's that's where that comes into. That being said, um, when I go into an assisted care facility, yeah, I can see about eight patients um, at a time, or even ten patients at a time, depending on on what the needs are and how much time, especially in memory care, how much time that particular person is going to allow for me to spend with them. Uh, and so yes, I can um, I can produce on a financial level. I can produce on certain days. That being said, going into someone's home, and if I'm literally going and I'm seeing one person at a time, I like to give myself an hour in between because, you know, let's be honest, it's backbreaking work. And I sometimes, right. I, sometimes I just really do need to compress, you know, decompress. Um, there's a lot of handholding, not just with the patient, but with the loved ones, caregivers as well. A lot of information is provided. I do not charge for um, oral hygiene instruction. Um, I probably should. Uh, there's a lot there. I'm usually the first dentist that this uh, loved one has seen in years. And the, and it's been a long time since that the patient, let's assume that they're cognizant has uh, really had proper oral care. It's taken them a little while to find me. I try to be out there, but you know, it, it is what it is. So there are a lot of questions need to be answered. A lot of changes have, has transpired in them physically, uh, medically. That has, has created, you know, a new, uh, regimen for them in order to be able to handle oral hygiene. Um, and some of them, you know, having just come either come from hospital or having come from a serious situation like a stroke, they were literally reinventing, reinventing the wheel. You know, what can we do to make this person feel as comfortable as possible and provide the best oral, you know, care possible? Um, but yeah, so, uh, on the days that I go to homes, I'm not making so much. That being said, if I'm doing a denture, 
you know, dentures, dentures can be profitable. Um, if I choose to, you know, because of the quality of the denture, I choose that the lab really has to rely on it. It's not just a lab charge. There's a fee for me as well. Um, and I can produce, uh, um, like I said, when I'm going into people, when I'm going into an assisted care facility and I'm seeing multiple patients in that day. Okay. But no, I don't make the kind of money that I do in my own office. <laughs> right. That's all good. Yeah. Um, yeah. question about, um, now COVID. Right. Yeah. Sooner or later, we're gonna have to talk about this. Let's you know, <laughs> we've gotten a background, but now we we have to talk about this because everybody's uh, practice has changed a lot because of COVID, um, especially with the senior population, the you know assisted living, and every, I mean they've literally shut down to everybody, including family members. Right. So now you're not allowed to go into these um, facilities. Right. Maybe some family members are uncomfortable having somebody come in to treat their loved one. How has it changed for you? How has the post-COVID lifestyle or life changed for you? And, and how have you adapted to that? Uh, you'd be surprised, actually. Oh, okay. um, the Yeah, the uh, loved ones want me there. They're like, you're a doctor and my mother needs you. For example, um, a patient was being removed. This is a true COVID story. Patient was being removed from a hospital because that hospital was planning on only treating COVID patients in a suburb of Chicago, and she was being brought early to a uh, rehab center for physical therapy, occupational therapy. Um, and in the process of transferring, they lost her dentures. The woman is barely 100 pounds to begin with. Um, the daughter could not get me there fast enough to start the work to make her new dentures. Uh, the hospital chose to pay for them. Um, they owned up to it, thank goodness. Um, and it was the hospital that found me because I do have privileges with that hospital. So, um, they called me right away. I was there and I started immediately working on them, uh, to, you know, to, to get the dentures for her. Um, I had, when COVID started and we, we were shut down as a dental, you know, dental community. Um, I had three cases that, uh, I had been working on. I was waiting to come back from the lab. Um, and two of them. Uh, were really critical. Uh, they were upper partial dentures. Uh, one of them just teeth, tooth, or teeth eight and nine. Um, and the other one, um, had more teeth in her partial than not, but she had, you know, she had about probably four in her mouth. Um, these people couldn't eat. These women couldn't eat. And so, yes, um, both of these places, separate places, I, I called them saying that the cases are here. What would you like me to do? Uh, what are your protocols? In those both those situations, well, and and with the rehab facility as well, mm -hmm. my temperature is taken. They give me a level one mask. I supply my own level three mask, um, and, and they provide me with gloves. Um, I am told whether or not there's been any cases there. Fortunately, all three of these places, there has been no COVID or symptoms for that matter. They're relatively smaller communities. Um, not that it should matter, um, but fortunately, there has not been any cases. Now that being said. The fourth case is a lower partial denture. I called that place as well when the case came in. I was able to speak to the resident director. Great guy. And he's like, you know what, Doc? He's like, Louise is doing all right. You know, I, I don't think you really should be coming in just yet. In not so many words, I got the impression that there might have been um, a scare there. And so, therefore, I, I'm like, not a problem. As long as she's eating, as long as we're not, you know, having any issues with her with the potential of losing weight. 
then I'm cool with it if, if you're cool with it. He's like, you know, I really think this is the best decision. Jim, thank you so much. We'll talk in June. So, um, yes, I, I am considered a doctor. <laughs> in these yes, we got well, one. <laughs> we got one. But yeah, I am. Uh, and they want me there. Um, and that rehab, like I said, that rehab center can't get me, you know, through this fast enough for them. Um, because she's, you know, she's, she's incredibly cognizant and is really sick of the puree diet. Um, she's furious as well as she should be. Um, and it takes a little while. I don't skip steps when I make my dentures. You know, I, I, um, I've tried other, you know, to, uh, suffice to say, I, I don't skip steps when I do the dentures and I want to do them right the first time. And, uh, well, one thing I also do, I, I do charge, I, I do try to charge my full fee because I then give them a full year of unlimited, um, appointments if I need to come back to adjust. And I do that on purpose because number one, I want to build trust with the family to say, Hey, here's your, you know, here's your loved one's dentures. Adios. I'm out. You know, that, that's, that's not fair to them. I want to establish a rapport with them. I want them to know that this person is still going to be cared for even when the denture or partial denture has been, um, you know, been given to the, to the loved one. Um, that's number one. Number two, yeah, everyone's got adjustments that need to be made. And so I do try to incorporate a fee that will allow for, um, you know, allow for me to go there and adjust with my, with my Dremel, um, and my sterilized drill, drill bits if necessary. Um, yeah, so that, that's one thing I do want to add on, onto that for the, for the dentures, um, about the you know, finances. But yeah, no, I've been, I've been asked to come. In fact, there's one place now that they, they called me. Um, I'm going to be doing a tour with them on Wednesday and they're hoping that I can start up as soon as we're allowed to Illinois right now, uh, for, um, non-essential dental treatment, I think is what they're calling it, um, is June 1st. So, uh, there, I mean, they, they can't, they can't get me in there fast enough either. They want me the first week of June. So I follow what their guidelines are. Um, but like I said, I, they give me a level one mask. I wear a level three. My own security, I guess. For this population of patients, there is the challenges of partial edentialism or complete edentialism. So they don't have the, the chewing efficiency. They don't have the dexterity of their hands. They're eating soft foods, sugary foods to, you know, that's all they can handle. Uh, with these challenges, uh, I assume you run into a lot of root caries. Uh, and it's sometimes, I, I know in my practice, I feel like it's a losing battle. You, you sit, even the patients that can come into the office, you sit with them, you, give them a mirror, you show them, this is the plaque on your teeth. This is what's causing these issues. Oh yeah, yeah, I brush, I brush. And every time they come in, there's five or six new cavities that you're, you're patching. You, you mentioned, so, uh, silver diamine fluoride being a godsend for you. Uh, and I, I'm just now getting that into my practice. So I'm curious to hear what your protocol is with those, uh, treating the, the root surface carries, how often are you seeing them? How often are you applying SDF? Are you putting anything over top of it? Those kind of things. Excellent question. So there's two different kinds of, of uh, SDF. I, I shouldn't say that. It's the same SDF. It's it's two different companies that make it, right? One is Elevate and the other one's Reva. Um, Elevate is the one, um, one step 
it comes either in a bottle form or they come in mini doses. Um, however, I've noticed even with the directions are to like, you know, kind of tap it. So it all comes to the bottom and then you do the flip top. I, I still spill. So I just get the one little bottle, um, and use it appropriately. Uh, but yes. So, and then Reba has a two step where you apply the, the SDF and then you apply, um, the, uh, potassium. potassium potassium over it in order to prevent the uh the blackness right it, you know to prevent the tooth from discoloring um both situations you apply uh fluoride over it um sodium fluoride over it and uh and then it really depends on what you were able to do prior to that so for example it's tooth number 25 you have a root carry you root carries you can feel it soft right if you have a spoon excavator, then you, you're supposed to scoop out as much as possible till you get to tertiary or, or harder dentin, right? Reparative dentin. Mm-hmm. So you get down as much as possible. Once again, we're assuming the patient is, is cognizant and is allowing for this to happen, right? So assuming that you get down as much as possible, you apply copious, I apply copious amount. You might make sure the area is totally dry. Um, and then, um, you've isolated the area and then you're applying copious amounts, really, you know, kind of scrubbing it in there. You, you really want to make sure that the, 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 um, you're not just dabbing it in, you're scrubbing it in. The, the brushes are really great for that, for both Reva and for, um, Elevate. They're great brushes. Uh, and so you're applying it, um, you know, kind of dry it off, right? I do another coat. And then without even, you know, it's already open for me. I've got the fluoride. I'm applying the fluoride. And the Elevate's got the great fluoride where it's a squeeze, it's a squeeze one. So you can just literally pick it up. It stands on its own. You can pick it up. You're squeezing the fluoride on. There's a lot in there. It's great. Um, and then you just kind of air dry it again and you're done. With the Reva, it, there's an extra step involved, which is the potassium. And then, and then now you're applying the fluoride over it, dry it again. You're applying the fluoride over that. And then, um, it really comes down to when you're going to be seeing this person again. In the literature, it's saying at maximum three months, some, you know, some are saying, you know, t- two weeks. I've never been back in two weeks. I'm not going to lie. It's, it's three months. Um, and there is, um, a 80% chance that it has worked. And, you know, for me, um, it's pretty much right around, right around 80%. Um, and so then if you feel like when you, how can you tell if it worked or not? You, t- you check it again and there's, it's, it's tacky again. It's soft. Once again, you do the exact same thing. You're taking out that, that you do it three times, uh, meaning, you know, three months, six months, nine months. Um, for those that you go back in and it's perfectly, it looks perfectly fine to you. It's nice and hard. I don't mess. I clean and do my cleaning, do my round of fluoride and, and I leave it alone because that means it's working. If it's, it's hard. It's done. It, it did its job. It, it, the carries are officially arrested. Um, I've had zero abscesses, zero fistulas, um, and I think two fractures, but only because the teeth have, breaking off, have broken off um, that I can remember right now. And it was my first time using it. I wasn't as aggressive in, in, in applying it. Um, and, and so, you know, I'll, I'll take that one. And those teeth, unfortunately, had to be extracted. Um, but for the most part, if it's properly applied and, and the patient is, is, is cognizant and, and there's not a lot of saliva in this situation, no saliva is great <laughs> because <Yeah. laughs> it's, it's nice and dry in there and you can, and you can apply that stuff. Oh. Um, 
once again, inside happy hands, uh, that you can do what you want <laughs> to do. And then you have the conversation about dry mouth with the loved ones afterwards. Um, okay. So then once you apply, you put the fluoride in and then it's the, it's the usual and customary for fluoride afterwards, 20 minutes, right? Uh, before they can eat or drink anything. Um, so yes, I have seen wonderful results with it. Um, I will use the Reva if it is anterior and they are cognizant, if they are, you know, if they're going to the dining room to have a meal, right? They want to see, you know, their, their, their floor mates. They want to smile. They don't want this big dark thing, you know, when they, when they smile to scare, you know, their, their, you know, their table mates, right? I mean, that's the last thing they want. So once again, if we're with it, I'm picking the Reba and I'm going to tell them it's an extra step. I said, but this tooth will not, you know, discolor. And once again, if it's done appropriately, it won't. I can't say enough about it. It's it's wonderful. Okay. Are you ever putting any kind of glass ionomer over top of it as uh, once you're confident that the carries have been uh, arrested? In the office, yes. Okay. Um, um, unfortunately, in every single time that it's been applied for my um, assisted care facility patients or at home patients, um, it would not have been feasible. No. Um, patients were not, um, they, yeah, just, a, um, as appropriate as it is and as ideal as it is, uh, sometimes you're just there every three months to make sure that it's okay. If you have to redo it, you redo it. Let the family know that it didn't take. There has to be an additional charge. You're reapplying the fluoride. I also really try very hard to make sure, once again, OHI, right? Oral hygiene instructions, you know, if they really have dry mouth, then then we want to make sure that in, a, in an assisted care facility, I am doing physician's orders. I am writing physician's orders for um, either the bio team if they if if they do not respond to commands or or uh, requests to spit out, um, then then they're getting the bio team and they're also getting the prescription fluoride toothpaste, right? Because there's no fluoride in bio team. Um, if they can, you know, if they are still cognizant, relatively cognizant. And they can spit and they do not have any dysphagia, uh, then I do prescribe the, um, act dry mouth or an alternative, whatever is part of their pharmacy. And there have been times that I've called the pharmacy and like, okay, so, you know, what do you guys got? You know, and sometimes, you know, it is just the biotin and the prevenant and that's, that's what, you know, that's what they have. And that's what, you know, that particular assisted community, community has, uh, for a, um, pharmacist. That's what I use. If that's part of their discretionary income that incorporates that, then, then, you know, I will, I'll be willing to bend the rules a little bit and have, you know, throw in a little substitutions in there. But if I, if I'm at home with the family, then I make sure that they are buying it, that, that, that they, I have, usually I get free samples. My reps are really great in giving me free samples because they know what I do. And so I have free samples to give them so they know what to look for. I have emailed them Amazon links pre COVID. Um, uh, because Amazon's usually quick, um, on, so they know exactly what they should be purchasing for their loved ones. Um, you know, I'm hoping that they're buying it while I'm still there. Okay. Let me, let me take a turn here, uh, yeah. real quick. Uh, so the Oral Cancer Foundation basically says that, uh, squamous cell carcinoma of the oral cavity and pharynx accounts for 8,000 cases. I'm sorry, 48,000 cases. Okay. And 9,000 of them end up dying each year, right? Uh, and then they also said, and it continues, that one out of four of those cases are uh, people over the age of 50. 
and this happens to be the area that you're dealing with. So how do you how do you do your oral cancer screening? You know, and then on top of that, if you do find something that's kind of suspicious, how do you coordinate with maybe oral surgery, perio, uh, you know, ENT, ear, nose, and throat doctors to try to kind of help those patients? Great, great, great question. Um, I have uh, seen it twice. Um, both times, the family chose to bring uh, their loved one, uh, one female, one male. Um, to the oral surgeon to have them biopsied. Um, and, and so therefore, you know, so fortunately they were, uh, mobile enough that they could be taken outside of the community and brought to the oral surgeon for, for biopsy and then appropriate treatment. Um, when I do find something that is, um, suspicious, I do have the visit light and, and I also use the, the toluene blue, um, on top of the, on top of the visit light. I, I like to double check. Because if I'm making this, you know, if, I, if I'm calling the loved one saying I'm seeing something suspicious, I, I really, I, I really want to make sure that I'm making the right decision. That it's not something just because of, of age or because of, of dry mouth. Um, and so, therefore, um, yeah. So I do both, and then at that point, if I really think there's something, you know, suspicious, then I, I get the director of nursing involved, I get the family involved, and then we coordinate on transporting them to be able to get them to the closest oral surgeon possible. I both of the, both situations, fortunately, um, I knew the oral surgeon, so I was able to call them myself and be like, Hey doc, you know, this is what's going on. Um, and they were, you know, able to, uh, you know, take care of, um, them appropriately. Um, but yeah, I really want to double check and make sure that it's, it's legit because it's so difficult to, to get the residents out, especially in memory care to bring the, it's not so much getting them out, it's bringing them back in. Uh, uh, and, uh, they don't necessarily always like being there. So you've got to think about it on a sociological level as well. Um, so yeah. So if that, hopefully that answers your question. Like I said, I've seen it twice. Yeah. Um, I've been suspicious a couple of times. Fortunately, I also get the doc, the doctors involved or, or the physician's assistant. Um, and they, co- they come in, uh, to, uh, the, the homes regularly, the, the geriatricians, their geriatric physicians. So they're coming in. I'll have them double check it. I'll flag it. I'll flag the chart and say, Hey, you know, doc, you know, uh, two centimeter or two millimeter by two millimeter, blah, 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 blah. Um, you know, please, please advise. Um, and so therefore I now have, you know, given it over to a, you know, another set of eyes and it's now the physician that's involved. And, um, especially if it's someone who is very difficult to be, uh, to be moved. Um, ENTs and, and perio. Um, no, I have, uh, not used them, uh, mostly because I have not seen an ENT, um, come into a community. That doesn't mean that that doesn't exist. Um, it's a lot easier, however, to get the physician involved. Gotcha. And, and let's be honest, the, well, maybe this is just in my area or my experience, but ear, nose, and throat seem to have a little bit of a god, god complex on the ones <laughs> that I've worked with. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. I, I've, tried to stay away from them as much as I can. It's always nicer to go through an oral surgeon versus anybody else if it's starting out with a dentist. Oh, okay. You said it. Well, <laughs> let's let's go ahead and wrap it up here before we get a little negative. This has been great. Um, <laughs> uh, let me uh, let me ask. So, if anybody needs to get a hold of you uh, or wants or has any other questions, how would they go about doing that? For you? 
Um, they could email me. They could call me. My email. I'll give you my personal one. It's much easier. <laughs> um, it is my initials. J is in Joy. V is in Victor. P is in Paul. So JBP Dent at gmail dot com. Uh, and then my phone number. I'll give the office one. It's uh seven seven three seven three six seven seven six seven. Oh, what the hell? I'll give myself. Someone uh, it. <laughs> it's it, not it, necessary, it, but it's up to you. <laughs> my cell is my cell is three one two four nine eight two two zero nine. Um, yeah, I I please consider me a resource. I I love to share knowledge. I also love to receive knowledge. If there's someone out there like you know what I've been in your shoes and X Y Z has helped me, bring it. I would love to hear it. That's awesome. That is awesome. Uh, you know. I really think that this was really informative because it allowed us to kind of see another way of tr- doing dentistry, right? Because I think we're so stuck in our bubble, you know, meaning yeah. when I say bubble, I'm talking about our office, right? We don't really get to the chance to interact with a lot more uh, other colleagues or other, uh, other other people that don't come to us, you know? So I think this is nice. And I remember when I would do like mission work, I got the most uh, excitement, the most out of it because I was helping people that, we're not just coming in to the office, you know. And they appreciate it more. And they appreciate it. Oh my god, it more. so much. Yes, yes. So yes, much. Yes. Doctor, when are you coming back? Right. Yeah, right. absolutely. So again, I mean this this was awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time to uh you know, talk absolutely. to our listeners. Uh we hope to get you on again if you have any anything else that you ever want to talk about, please don't hesitate to come on again. I'll think about it. Yeah, let me think about that. Awesome, All right, you awesome. It. You guys are great. Thank you so much. Awesome questions. Seriously, oh, appreciate thank you so much. You. you made me think. I love it. Awesome. All right, <laughs> thank you guys. Enjoy your night. <laughs> All right, Later. take thank care. You. Bye. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Tooth Be Told. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at realdentist, with an S, at gmail.com. That's realdentist, R-E-A-L, dentist, with an S, at gmail.com. Remember, the opinions on this podcast are just that, our professional opinions. The final decision about your health should be made by you and a trusted dental professional.